0: Okay, (laughs) thank you for your patience. Um, My name is uh, Jeanette Okur, and I coordinate the Turkish Studies Program uh, within the Department of Middle Eastern Studies here at UT. And it is my great pleasure today on behalf of the Center um, of Middle Eastern Studies and the Department of Middle Eastern Studies, and also on behalf of our uh, co-sponsor, Raindrop Turkish House of Houston, uh, to welcome... Uh, Mr. Abdul Hamid Bidiji, a very prominent journalist uh, from Turkey, here onto the UT campus today. And, um, let's see, some of you might know a little bit about him, might have read the poster or a little bit more. But in case you don't, uh, he is currently general manager of Jihan News Agency, the biggest news group in Turkey and a columnist uh, both at Zaman and today's Zaman newspapers in Turkey, so one Turkish-language and one English-language newspaper. He's an extremely energetic, well-traveled, principled, and dedicated professional, and at the same time, he's a budding academic. Um, over the years, he's served as deputy editor-in-chief of the Zaman Daily, which is the largest circulated Turkish-language paper in Turkey, and has also worked as the foreign news editor of Zaman, and uh, Aksyon, which is a weekly news magazine, looks kind of like Time, or Newsweek, uh, for a number of years. Uh, A student of international relations, he writes mainly on Turkish foreign policy, and world politics, and he contributes to other uh, papers around the world on Turkish politics, and appears on national and international television programs and conferences sometimes to comment on political developments in and outside of Turkey, while at the same time continuing his doctoral studies which are focused on Turkish foreign policy. He is the editor of a book of essays focused on Turkey-EU relations entitled Why Turkey? uh, Which came out last year, uh, sorry, in 2010. uh, And he wrote his master's thesis on Turkmenistan's energy structure and natural gas. So you can see uh, he writes not only about the Middle East, but other parts of the world as well. He's married. Uh, His wife, Ebru, is here today, also traveling with him, and has two children. Uh, But he still manages to travel all over the world. In fact, uh, it was in Kazakhstan that I met him uh, back in 2002. We were traveling to some of Kazakhstan's major cities there together with a group of educators and journalists. Uh, we look forward today to a very lively conversation with Mr. Bilgi, and I hope you will not limit your questions to um, the most sensational news of this week, which is, you know, the, the crisis in Turkey-Israeli uh, relations. Uh, instead I hope you'll ask all kinds of questions about Turkey's past, present and future relations to various cultures and countries and people in the Middle East. Central Asia, Europe, and the Americas. So really feel free to ask any kind of um, world news kind of a question to him. Um, And before we invite Mr. Bilici to the podium, I would like to acknowledge uh, my colleague from uh, the UT Study Abroad Office, uh, Giancarlo Taylor. He's sitting right here. Um, At the end of the program, he is going to have some information about our new Study Abroad in Turkey uh, summer program. Uh, which will be starting in summer of 2012, hopefully. Um, If you're interested in uh, learning more about that program, he can talk to you after the program. Or if you don't manage to catch him today, if you have to run to class, um, we will be at the Study Abroad Fair tomorrow with the booth. And there will also be three information sessions about the program this fall. Um, I would also like to invite all of you, and especially students, Um, to a reception which will be held immediately following the program. It will not be in this room. Uh, Instead, it will be right across the mall in the West Mall building on the sixth floor at the room called the Center for Middle Eastern Studies Reading Room, which looks like a library. It's at the very end of the hallway on the right. Uh, And we can all shuffle over there together after the program uh, where we'll have some uh, Turkish delights. (laughs) And finally, I would formally like to thank our co sponsor, um, Raindrop Turkish House of Houston, um, for organizing Mr. Abiliji's travel and his accommodations while he's here in Texas. And I'd like to invite the president of that organization, who's come here from Houston today, uh, Mr. Mehmet Okomush, to say just a few words.
1: Hello. Uh, Thank you so much, the universe of. Uh, Texas of Austin. It is my first time here for uh, this kind of panel. For our organization, we have 17 branches in eight states, uh, and we just had uh, the 9-11 program at the University of Houston. While I was thinking, what can we do with the uh, University of Texas of Austin with Middle Eastern Studies? Uh, it just came to our mind, and since he is coming to here. Let's go ahead and have him here for uh, you know, uh, the Turkish role in uh, the Middle East. And I hope that uh, he's going to share you know, uh, his uh, knowledge with us. And I am very happy uh, you know, to host him here. And I'm very happy to see the UT Austin uh, you know, faculty and the students. And I hope that this is going to be not our first uh, you know, organization, but we'll have many organizations. Again, thank you so much uh, for helping us and uh, uh, to host this event here.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um, I did forget to say, if you have your cell phones on, could you please put them on silent uh, so we're not interrupted? Um, And the format of the program is uh, such that Mr. Biliji is going to talk for about 20, 30 minutes, generally, about uh, his views, his thoughts on Turkey's role in the new emerging Middle East. Um, And then the majority of the time, hopefully, will be spent with your questions. Okay, so be thinking of them, don't be shy. Okay, uh, Okay, welcome.
2: Thank you. I guess to organize, I should speak from here with your permission. Uh, good afternoon for all, uh, I'm very happy and honored to be here and I, I thank uh, both the University of Texas and the uh, Reign uh, Turkish House to invite me to share my views with such distinguished uh, audience. But uh, as a journalist, if you ask me where I should like to be now, i like to be in Cairo because I'm Prime Minister now in Cairo, having a very historic visit. And as a journalist, it would be very interesting for me because I uh, accompanied him in lots of his travels in such uh, historic events, but this is something not comparable to any of them because uh, he was received by 20,000 people in Egypt, which has no ethnic link with the Egyptian people, but there are other links that we would try to focus uh, during uh, my speech and uh, he will deliver an address to an audience of 1 million egyptians in Tahrir square so it is uh, a bit i am uh, sad saddening that i'm not there as a journalist but here i have another mission to explain the dimensions of that why so many egyptians are excited with having a turkish prime minister visiting their country after such a big revolution. I will try. It's very difficult for me to speak in front of such distinguished academicians because I am quasi-academician. I am a student of international relations, though, but I am more practitioner and following and traveling to understand especially Turkish foreign policy, but of course American foreign policy, European, etc. So, uh, So it's very timely, indeed. So Turkish prime minister is there. We are here to understand why there is so much excitement uh, towards uh, Turkey having such an active role in the Middle East. So I would just uh, give some practical uh, information uh, before going into details about uh, the concrete uh, results of some uh, researches or public polls uh, describing us The public mood or the perception in Turkey among Turkish people towards that new Turkey's inclination or increasing interest towards Middle East. How Turkish people see that change in Turkish foreign policy. And second, how people in Middle East look at that Turkey, that new Turkey. So these statistics are very important for me, or the findings of public poll. I guess they would be interesting for you as well, I think. And uh, there has been a study in the late uh, last year by a very prominent uh, think tank in Turkey. And they asked uh, several questions about Turkish foreign policy, how Turkish public view uh, AK Parties or the recent uh, Turkish government's uh, foreign policy. And here are the results, interesting ones, of course, or related ones. Uh, According to that poll, 65% of Turks see that foreign policy successful. This is significant because when you look at the last uh, election results, it was almost 50%. Now the governing AK party got almost 50% of approval by Uh, Turkish uh, people by Turkish voters. This is uh, historic and this this is the first time that a party is increasing its vote in third consecutive election. So this is third time and it is in our although it's not as long as uh, American democratic history but in our 60 years so this is a very historic achievement. So that figure shows me that the approval of Turkish foreign policy is beyond Turkish people's support for the government. So there's a kind of approval by, by the people. And 78% of Turkish people, according to that poll, think that Turkey is a model for Middle East accept it or believe it, but this is how Turkish people think. And uh, another interesting result of that study shows that 75% 75 of Turkish people are expecting Turkey to have a major role in terms of bringing a settlement to problem between Israel and Palestine. 75%. So this is, this is also a very interesting result to understand the feelings of Turkish people. And 69% of Turkish people think that Turkey's EU membership is good for Turkey. So this is also interesting because when you look at the lots of headlines about Turkey recently, there's a kind of feeling that as if Turkey is running behind to be another Iran. This figure shows that Turkish people's inclination is not the case. Turkish people do not like Turkey to be another Iran. They like Turkey to be part of European Union if our European friends could allow, of course, could permit. So another uh, figure is also very uh, illustrating. 65% of Turkish people same Turkish people, said they are against a nuclear Iran, 65%. So these are very interesting figures in my view. So Turkish people are looking, I mean, they think they approve Turkish recent uh, foreign policy in many ways and like to have Turkey a major role in the Middle East, but not like Turkey part of Middle East or change its course or axis as it is, most most of the time refer but to be part of also good in good touch with the Western world as well and in in my view indeed this is what makes Turkey different you know there is no country in our region and maybe in the world that has very good relations with the Muslim world with the Middle Eastern countries and have very solid good relations with Europe you know Turkey is I mean, our relationship with the EU is so much debated, but this is not just the track or the only track that uh, binds Turkey with the West. We are a member of NATO for the last 50 years, and we are one of the founding members of the European Council, which is a highly regarded body in terms of their standards of human rights, rule of law, democracy, etc., and we are part of European security organizations. So, I mean, when you look at those, Turkey is, I mean, EU track is just one of them. Yes, we had lots of progress. We have lots of problems as well. And Turkey's foreign trade, more than half of Turkey's foreign trade is with Europe, with European countries. So these are uh, facts, I mean, uh, not uh, opinion. And uh, when I look at the other side of the picture, how the people in the Middle East think about Turkey's new approaches or new tendencies, they are also interesting. You know, there has been two studies, as far as I know, recently. One was done by Fatih University. They had uh, deep interviews with, uh, with the elite of neighbour countries, how they see Turkey and New Turkey's uh, foreign policy. And they found that 62% think that Turkey is a model not just for Middle East, but for them as well, in terms of economic development, in terms of democratization, etc. And uh, the, one of the interesting findings of that uh, study was that I mean, people in the region i mean that region you know includes greece armenia georgia iran syria i mean the countries that indeed when you look at what is we are debating in international relations i guess 90% of them there i mean when you look at the what is covered most of them are in our vicinity in a very very close range and people were saying if you had any problem what kind of, I mean, which country you like to go And very big amount of people said that they would prefer to live in Turkey if they had a, I mean, natural disaster or a political crisis, etc. This is also interesting in terms of understanding feelings around Turkey. And uh, according to another study, uh, they, uh, again, another Turkish think tank made a research to understand in uh, countries like Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, Palestine, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Iraq, Iran. Uh, to see what is the perception of Turkey. And this study was done again in late uh, 2010. Uh, just before of course uh, Arab Spring. I mean these recent changes. But this is very interesting. Uh, according to that study 75% of uh, people in, in those countries think that Turkey is a model for them and they like Turkey to play more active role in, in the region. And when this uh, study or this poll repeated uh, one year later, it was found that the sympathy towards Turkey increased 5% and reached to 80%. So this is, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, we Turkish people are not able even to understand the dynamics of that change. Because, I mean, this was not the case maybe 15 years ago or 20 years ago, even not, of course, 50 years ago. So, I I mean, uh, looking from the perspective or the information that we got uh, from those uh, statistics or the findings, uh, I, I could uh, tell a bit about uh, how Turkish people uh, and uh, what, what, is, what is the dimension, what is the reason behind that. But to understand that, to come to that point, we first we should remember a little bit about the relationship between Middle East and Turkey. and A bit background, not a long one. <laughs> I promise. And, uh, you know, Turkey is not an aligned country to the Middle East. This is not like, for instance, Mexico trying to have a Middle Eastern policy without any background. Turkey is part of Middle East for centuries. If you look at just the Ottoman experience, experience I mean, omit the other Seljuk Empire or other Turkic states which were founded in the region, uh, Since one, I mean, beginning from uh, 1000 or from that year onward. During, I mean, if you look at just Ottoman experience, you know, Ottomans uh, started to have an existence in the region by uh, 1517. This is an historic date for Turkish people, Turkey's engagement or the Ottoman state's engagement with the region. And that lasted 400 years until when until the end of First World War, nineteen seventeen, when the Ottoman Empire was dissolved and lost battle uh, against uh, colonial powers of Europe. So this is very historic for in, in our uh, memory, especially in the memory of Turkish people and of course the founding uh, fathers of Turkey. I mean, when they founded the Turkish Republic, they had that legacy in their mind. And that they attributed lots of things I mean, to, to that uh, experience, which lasted not several months, years, but as I underlined, centuries. That, that says a lot. Uh, I mean, without ignoring that, we can't understand today's one million people in uh, Tahrir Sukkar. Uh, but after that date, we had a very strong break, especially with the new republic, which was founded in 1920s. The republic was founded on in a, a, a very interesting situation. I don't. I should not go to the details, but just to understand the psychology. I mean, they were trying to keep a tiny part of very big state, very big empire. I mean, losing every side minute by minute, year and year. So they had very uh, different uh, ideology. And one of, the, one of the important elements of that ideology was putting a very strong distance towards history. You know, anything related or associated with the Ottoman history or heritage was not welcome. And anything, remem- anything that reminds us of the legacy, like the multi- Ethnic character of Ottoman state, which was comprising Christians, Jews, uh, Armenians, and lots of uh, colorful uh, empire that you could imagine. And of course, Islamic things. I mean those things were elements that were reminding the early founders the past, the, the bad part of the past. Because for instance, some of them very much influenced, sorry. <coughs> Some of them very much influenced by the positivist ideas. For instance, they came to the conclusion that Ottoman Empire was dissolved or became backward because it was following Islamic teachings, for instance. So this put a very important comma in the minds of early founders. So it is better to modernize, to get away from Islam. It's better to get away from the Ottoman heritage, etc. So there was a hard line interpretation of secularism this was seen for in our history of 70 years or 80 years so we try to get rid of that interpretation and to democratize that interpretation and there was very hard line interpretation of nationalism which created the problem that now we are living for maybe 80 years with kurds you know, kurds were part of ottoman state and they didn't have any problem because as Kurds, we had Albanians, we had Bosnaks. we had many different uh, ethnicities, languages and religions. But when you turn all that colorful entity into a, a nationalist, hardline, secularist uh, entity, then you create lots of tensions. So it's very difficult to uh, cope with that change. And there has been, I mean, the, the, our history, Indeed, the, I mean, the history of Turkish Republic is, I mean, a, a, a file of tensions because of that change, and tensions between seculars and people, religious people, tensions in the line of Turkish, Kurdish, tensions between Sunnis and Alawites, etc. So this is a kind of. There has been lots of important and positive achievements of Turkish Republic. But we had also those drawbacks, and how these uh, were transferred into foreign policy. Turkey said, "I mean, it's better to be part of the West and get away from Middle East. Middle East is associated with uh, bad days of dissolution of Ottomans, and they—they. They, I mean, there is the official ideology that uh, Arabs betrayed, betrayed, or treated." Uh, Turkey by collaborating with the colonial British or French or others. So this was there for 70 years, part of official ideology. And uh, for instance, Hajj is one of the very important, or one of the five principles of Islam, but it was forbidden to go Hajj for Turks until late 1940s. And it was not easy, sometimes forbidden to learn Quran. the Qur'an. Very harsh uh, restrictions. This, these are, for instance, results of hardline interpretation of secularism, which, is, which needed to be democratized. And, for instance, Turkey has been the first Muslim nation to recognize uh, Israel when it was founded, despite whole Muslim world's reaction. Turkey had a very different uh, approach we could debate whether this is something positive or negative but just i try to describe and <coughs> for instance just to understand the then psychology of people they said kaaba you know is the most important sacred mosque in the first sacred mosque in the muslims mind that there was a poem uh, which was a fan of uh, Kemal Ataturk, who was saying that Kaaba is good for Arabs. Let it be for Arabs. For us, Chankaya is enough. Chankaya is the presidential palace of Ataturk. So you you see the I mean divergence of opinion uh, from from the history in 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 uh, with every means. And when, for instance, in 1960s when uh, Algeria was fi- making an independence war against French, guess what that official approach, uh, decision was in the United Nations. There was voting in the United Nations, and Turkey voted, that Turkey, the old Turkey, voted in line with the French, not in line with the Algerians, who were, I mean, Algeria was part of Ottoman state as well. So this I mean later in 90s when Turgut Ozal became prime minister and then president he was he apologized from Algerians because of that attitude And of course uh, we had uh, I mean in addition to that we had the cold war which was an, a very existential threat against Turkey and Turkey was uh, living a very b- big long border with Soviet Union and uh, most of the political foreign policy decisions made in line with that reality. So uh, Middle East was divided. Those with the West or the, with, the Demo- uh, with the NATO bloc, let's say, and those who ally with the Soviets, with the Warsaw Pact. So this was another division. And our borders with the Middle East were very artificial. For instance, we have Antep, uh, which is a very prominent part of our Country in the eastern, southeastern part, and there is Halep. And these are, I mean, brotherly uh, cities having almost the same culture in terms of uh, religion, in terms of their uh, cuisine, food, etc. Everything, but there was an artificial border which created Syria out of that, and Turkey get away. And uh, until uh, until very late years, until maybe five or six years ago, and these, there are kinships between those people. The f- same families were divided, assume that. And there is no relationship between Syria, and there is not a good relationship, warm relationship between Syria and Turkey. They are, they are having their nationalist agenda, and we are having our nationalist agenda at the capitals in the Damascus. And, and what was the result for the people, humble people there? Uh, you know, it was awful for them to visit their kins in the opposite side of the border. Just, it was, they were permitted during uh, bayrams. So, and, uh, I mean, just to see that shows that there are very artificial things, very artificial uh, boundaries. And uh, I guess just is a, a, a small or a little background, to understand uh, what was it uh, in terms of psychology, in terms of foreign policy, etc. And we came to uh, the efforts. You know, this is the official Turkey, as I said. And there are, of course, perceptions and the feelings of people. Even if, for instance, the Turkish Republic, or uh, uh, with the hardline interpretation of secularism, they banned learning Qur'an, for instance, for some time. They banned uh, ezan in Arabic for some time. They banned hajj for some time. But that doesn't mean that Turkish people forget their legacy, their past, their history. They continued in their private lives, in their civilian life, to learn to teach their children etc so there was indeed a dual life in in our uh, republic so there's an official line and there's people's line but for the, the very interesting thing there has been democratic uh, periods in our uh, i mean in in our recent history for instance between 1950 and 60 there was Adnan Menderes, who was the, the then prime minister, who was kicked out uh, by a like, coup d'etat in 1960. You know, the Adnan Menderes, when he was the prime minister, was supporting Algerians by sending even some uh, ammunition to them. But when there has been a coup against that, they made the decision in the UN in line with the French uh, position. You see, I mean, there are, this is the people's approach and this is the... Uh, official, uh, uh, narrow-sided uh, 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 approach. And where we are now. This is this is very, What happened? So why there has been tremendous change? Why now Turkish Prime Minister is visiting and having such a big reception? I guess uh, there are very lots of factors. But most important factor is the change, the transformation in in Turkey, at the people's level. And this was not started by this party, Erdoğan's party. This was started in the 1980s by Turgut Özal, who was very reformist, who had lots of uh, good ideas about uh, your country, about America, who learned a lot. Who was, for instance, very important in terms of telling us that secularism has two different interpretations. One is the French model and the other is American model. You should be religious, but you you could be respected still. I mean, being modern and religious is not contradictory. So this was the person who uh, opened the gates of change in Turkey. Just to give some uh, inputs, for instance it was forbidden to carry one dollar in your pocket before ÖZAL. Because Turkish economy was not liberal. It was state-controlled and state-dominated. When he came, he changed all those rules. And uh, what is the result? Very interesting. In 1980s Turkey was state-controlled economy. Very I mean, very little democracy, whole media, TVs broadcasting, radio, televisions were under state control, and 70% of society was living in rural areas. It was a rural society. What happened in 25 or 30 years? Now, 75% of Turkish people are living in cities. And in 1980s, Turkey's total export was $3 billion maybe at most $4 billion. But now it is over $130 billion. So Turkey was almost $50 billion economy, but it is now approaching to $1 trillion economy. Compared to the United States, it is of course not that big. But when you look at the comparative terms, it's huge change. And with that, there has been lots of uh, social changes. People came to Cities brought their ideas. I mean, they were a bit more conservative, so they they were trying to uh, make a bridge between their conservative ideas and modernity and development and opening up to the world. And the second most important influence, uh, or the result, or the reason for that change was civil society. Civil society became strong with the change in the, in the rules and regulations since Özal came to power. And what, what are the results? For instance, in 19, until 1990, all Turkish TVs, I mean, there was only one Turkish state TV and only state radio. That's it. That's it. Until 1990. Although Turkey was part of the democratic bloc, can you imagine the, the dilemma and now we had more than 200 private TV channels. Even neighbor, very small neighborhoods have their own private FM radios, and there, is, there has been huge changes in the media. So this is this is uh, one uh, dimension. So there are lots of voices. There is not no more one voice uh, in, in in Turkey. And uh, education. Maybe in 1980s we had. 10 or 15 universities, but now we have more than 100 universities. So, for instance, a civil society which is, uh, I am invited uh, by Raindrop uh, Turkish House, it was a kind of uh, what was privilege. privilege, yeah, it was a privilege to take a passport before 1980s. It was for the elite. But now, Turkish people, very humble Turkish people are able to travel to uh, Houston and have very prominent institutions and interacting with universities. You know, I was, yesterday I was with the University of Houston. They had cooperated with the Turkish Raindrop House and had a conference to remember what are the influences of 9-11 and how media can uh, affect so this, this, is, this was unimaginable. I mean, these small people has been very strong. And this is uh, the power, I mean, the changes beneath uh, the, the society. I mean, people look at the Erdoğan or Abdullah Gül or AK Party as if this is the main reason for the changes. No, this is just the result. I mean, Turkish society changed with those economic, social changes, educational, media changes, civil society, and we had now that kind of a party, that kind of a a government. So, this is the desire of, uh, in, in, I mean, not the whole, of course, there are lots of very important debates in Turkey going on still between uh, more secular people or uh, more conservative people. We have lots of uh, debates, but these are the results of uh, changes in the society, and uh, now we are witnessing uh, the results. So, the Gulen movement's role is very important. Uh, Ak Party uh, now plays a very important role. Just to, for instance, this zero zero problems with neighbor policy of Ak Party uh, increased our trade. With neighbors seven times in just eight years. So, this is incredible because we had an ideology saying that Turkey, Turks, has no friend other than Turks. And there are internal enemies and external enemies. From that perspective, I mean, this, there are internal enemies and external enemies. Turkey was surrounded with enemies. This was the earlier uh, ideology of many governments but now Turkey is trying to make peace with the neighbors as much as possible and with its history and with its minorities with the Jewish people with the Armenian people uh, with with lots of uh, other uh, factors that are part of Turkey's colors but ignored for, for so many years so this is this is New Turkey and uh, if can Turkey be a model for the Middle East? What I think before you ask me, I could reply, I could try to reply that as well. So if that dynamics are understood by our brothers in Egypt or in Tunisia or in Libya, why not? Turkey could Turkey's experience can be a stimulating one for them. Of course, we had all different historical uh, experiences. I mean, Turkey had a history, and Turkey had a history of relations with the West, but Egypt, Saudi Arabia, all all of them have different uh, experiences. So uh, when I travel uh, with with our uh, leaders and when I had the chance to talk to journalists or the political activists in those countries, I say that, Please do not misunderstand Turkey. What is the misunderstanding of Turkey? It is that when you ignore these socio-economic changes, democratic changes, you know, Turkey had in, 19, in as I said in 1990 we had one state TV and now we had lots of them. So media has been plural. And Turkey had given the right to all its people in 1990 to apply to European Court of Human Rights if they are not satisfied with the Turkey's local courts. So that means rule of law, increasing human rights. So uh, Turkey has a vibrant uh, democracy and an emerging middle class. So if you, don't, if you don't have those things, you could have a political party and you could run the country for some years, but that cannot be continued. That could be a kind of uh, revolutionary thing which is not the Turkey's experience. Turkey's experience, of course, we had in 60 years of our democratic experience, we had five military interventions against democratic desire of people. But Turkey's experience is much more evolutionary than revolutionary. So this is very important to be understood. So if it is understood, and it, it would be good. And there is a very little chance of mistake. If Turkey's politicians, including today's AK Party, think that its I mean Turkey's place is in the Middle East, that would not be good for Turkey. And this is not the desire of Turkish people. Indeed, this would be a hijacking of Turkish people's approach to the world event. As I said, as I shared in the beginning, Turkish people, 69 percent, still like Turkey to be part of European Union. But with that nature like it to be more active in terms of helping settlement of palestine israeli crisis or the problem or trying to transfer its experience with democracy civil society etc so turkey i mean my ideal turkey was uh, the turkey which was until 2 years ago which we had perfect relations with uh, with eu the, the process was continuing very well, and we had good relations with uh, America, uh, despite we had the problem in two thousand and three uh, in the Iraqi uh, war before Iraqi war, and we had perfect relations with Russia, which is unimagin- which was unimaginable in two thousand and eight Russia has been our biggest trade partner and now There are more than 3 million Russians having their holidays in Turkey, in Antalya, in our beaches. So this is a revolutionary thing. And at that time, Turkey had perfect relations, at least normal relations with Israel. And Turkey had good relations with Syria and was able to even speak to Iran. So uh, this was my ideal Turkey. (laughs) Unfortunately, ideal things are not, I mean, real things. (laughs) They cannot go on. Now we had Arab Spring, which created a very big problem with Syria, Syrian. There has been very good relations with the uh, Turkish government and the Syrian government. But when Syrian government started to kill their people, that Turkey that new Turkey cannot be with that government and Turkey had very harsh reaction to Assad, warned again and again that you should make reforms, be quick, otherwise you should get the fate, share the fate of uh, bin Ali in Tunisia or Mubarak in Egypt. So this is a problem. We, I mean, we t- I hope and wish as Turkish citizen and as journalists that uh, Syria could achieve their democracy and we could continue uh, good relations of two democracies. This is my aspiration. And we of course don't have the same relations with Israel because of the flotilla case and before bit uh, other cases when we had very perfect relations with Syria and Israel, we were able to have uh, a kind of mediation between Syria and Israel. But now we don't have that chance. And Turkey was one of the most important contributors of peace, stability, democracy in the region. Think about other countries other than Turkey. In which one you could see a positive development? before Arab spring of course arab spring is a kind of hope for all but it is still open if they can achieve a successful transformation or it can go uh, somewhere somewhere wrong uh, direction so i could i guess better stop here and leave some uh, time for questions okay? okay okay
0: okay would you like people to come up to the microphone or just as, hands? as they like <laughs>
2: Uh, if, if they can introduce themselves, yeah. I would you happy. can maybe
0: introduce yourself, uh, you know, if your students say what you're studying here, or if you work here, which department you're in, or where you're coming from, and make your question nice and loud so that everyone can hear you. Okay. Hi,
1: my name is Amy. <laughs> okay. Uh, my name is Amy. I'm studying global policy at the LBJ School, and...
0: I was interested in uh, your uh, previous remarks on uh, Turkey's history with its minority groups. Uh, how do you deal with that specifically as a journalist, especially when uh, Turkey has um, Turkey's phrasing of the situation is quite different than many international
1: journalists? How do you maintain relevance in the international journalistic community with your um, when you reference? Uh, Turkey's
2: minor- minority history. As a journalist and as a Turkish citizen, I am not that much proud of our record mm-hmm. of behavior towards minorities. This is the I mean the the first sentence that I would uh, openly say. So uh, we had lots of problems related to minorities. For instance there 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 were we have more than 80,000 Armenians and uh, more than 3,000 Greek uh, people, Greek uh, ones. And uh, from 1936 onward, most of those people had their uh, foundations, facilities nationalized during the, the time that I tried to elaborate a bit. And just uh, two weeks ago, there was a new decision to give their uh, real estates back to them so this is this is a, an improvement this is a, an improvement because turkey is trying to adapt with the eu standards with the european union standards and uh, trying to uh, get away with the with the hardline nationalist interpretation and we had very... I mean, this uh, minority issue was not just limited to uh, non-Muslims. Mm-hmm. There is a, a problem related to intra-Muslim uh, groups. There are Sunnis, majority Sunnis, and Alawites. So Alawites has not been given their full rights for, for so many years. Now there are... There has been... Uh, as far as I remember, seven conferences to, I mean, between government and the Alawites uh, groups to improve their rights and uh, to give some more rights to them. Uh, so in that uh, regard, there is an improvement in, in their uh, position. And when you talk to people from Armenian community, they would tell that we are happy. I mean, although there is an image created in the mainstream, in most of the mainstream Western media, that Turkey is getting Islamized and Turkey is getting another direction, etc. But when you go deep to the society and talk to people of Jewish community or the Armenian community or Greek community, they would tell that they are very respectful for this government, although it is quite the Islamic or they have Islamic roots. They are more tolerant than. Hardline secular governments or political parties. So, this is, this is promising. And for my journal, for my newspaper, we have been an initiator of good relations between different groups. In my paper, for instance, this is the exceptional paper Zaman Daily. We, this is the only paper that has an Armenian columnist, very prominent Armenian columnist, <laughs> contributing us for years. And this was not a reaction to 9 11. You know, this was not a reaction to 9-11. Before 9-11, we understood that we are living in a society together. There are different approaches, different perspectives. We should welcome them. We should go them. And we have a Greek columnist as well. He is contributing, and we are very fond of And there are, of course, nationalist reactions to our position, but we try to explain them. We say that in the world there is no one who says that I am against peace and I am against dialogue. The problem is there are little or few who realizes those ideals. So we say that if we are for dialogue and peace and happiness of all, we should start in the first instance that we control. So this is very important. So we try to teach Turkish elite, Turkish people, even if they, they, have, they are under the influence of old nationalist uh, understandings. And this is a richness for us. Yeah. Um, I'm Anna. I am
0: studying global policy in the LBJ school, just like me. And my question is, um, with the popularity of Turkish soaps, uh, such as, like, of Orleans and other uh, Turkish soap operas that have been dubbed into Arabic. Do you think that this is a form of soft power for Turkey, and has contributed to the uh, more popular view of Turkey within the Middle
2: East? Yeah, thanks, thanks for reminding. This was in my notes, but I have forgotten. <laughs> the influence of uh, soap operas or uh, TV serials, which are... I mean, this is to our surprise. You know, we could not imagine. We, in the in nineteen eighties, we were uh, watching Brazilian uh, serials. Yeah, I mean, every uh, <laughs> in every house in Turkey, they were too popular. I, I don't know. I mean, this did not uh, resulted in political good relations between Turkey and Latin America. Though, <laughs> so we 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 learned, for instance, as 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 I was a young uh, student. We, we, we watched gr or uh, Texas, dallas and these were very famous and uh, so now it is a similar thing happening in middle east i mean there are some countries who who which are broadcasting seven tv serials once i mean at the same time there is a kind of competition which uh, tv serial is good i mean so there's a kind of very good market indeed and that helps, of course. You know, as I said, there has been an ideological uh, closeness, ideological uh, gap between new Turkey and old Turkey. And there was the same thing in the Middle East. I did not elaborate on that. You know, when you look at uh, the TV programs in 1970s, 80s in the Arab world, they were telling all the bad things about Turkey. The Ottoman Empire legacy was remembered very badly. Now there is a... I mean, both sides are re-evaluating their uh, perspective to the history. So that is an important uh, chance. And uh, uh, so there was uh, dual black propaganda on each side. And the people now trying to see each other in real time. And there are lots of now Arab tourists visiting Turkey for after so many years. And this, this, is, this is very important for them to understand the dynamics of Turkish society. But uh, TV serials, of course, had lots of problems. I should not go deep because they illustrate a very interesting uh, picture of Turkey which is very different from the real Turkey. As the Hollywood America is very much different from real America. So I wish that our Arab brothers should uh, distinguish uh, between the two. Yeah. Um, hi, my name is Laura and I'm studying Turkish at Rainbrook Cultural Center here in Austin. Um, I wanted
0: to ask you about the um, the recent statement by the Turkish government that they seem more willing to project naval power into the Mediterranean and how that relates to the, I guess, exploration for oil and gas off Cyprus, if in fact it does.
2: Yeah. uh, This, I mean, uh, I'm critical of the government in the way that they opened lots of critical files to solve, but they were not able to close them. You know, they had a very big initiative to solve Cyprus problem, but they were not able to solve the problem and put it away. So we have still Cyprus problem. And they had a very great effort to have good relations with Armenia. They had lots of secret talks, open talks, even some protocols, uh, as some of you will remember. But it was not possible to finalize. So still we have that problem. Unfortunately. And uh, with Israel as well. I mean, with Israel, I, I, as per- personally, I think that a Turkey with good ties, with normal ties with Israel is a better Turkey than the one which is in conflicting terms with Israel. Because, uh, I mean, between, Tur- between Arabs and Jews, there has been lots of negative relations. But that was not the case between Turks and uh, Jews. For instance, in Turkey, lots of minorities had lots of problems, but Jews had little, I mean, compared to other minorities. They had good relations. When I visited, for instance, uh, some time ago, uh, Israel, I had a taxi from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. The driver was listening uh, music from one of our very uh, greatest singers, Ibrahim Tatta says. So, I mean, Turkish people and Israeli people's relationship is not that of uh, enmity. And I was talking, for instance, then um, one of former ambassadors of Israel who was saying that it's very difficult for us to make uh, I mean, the progress in our relations with Arabs, but it's very normal for us to have practical relations with, uh, with Turkey. Now, I mean, we are in another, uh, we, are, uh, we, we are in uncharted waters in terms of relationship between Turkey and Israel. I, I don't, I mean, as I said, it was a plus for Turkey to have good relations both with Israel and with Arabs at the same time. Now Turkey, it is likely that Turkey is losing one of that tracks. Uh, I mean, Turkey should be I mean, we are, we are proud that we are very much welcomed in Tahrir Suker, but that would be good if we could continue good relations with uh, Israel. I, I, I mean, no one knows in which direction that relationship will go on. Uh, but in terms of uh, psychology of Turkish people, as I uh, shared with you, this is, I guess, very important. Because uh, even Turkish government should look at what Turkish people are looking for. So when you look at that, uh, 75% of them, Turkish people, say and believe that Turkey should be an intermediary, should play an intermediary role between Palestine Palestinians and the Israelis or the Jews. So this is, this is my attitude, my approach. And I'm not proud of that conflict between two countries. Because the relationship is too much uh, integrated. Uh, Turkey, as I said, is the first Muslim nation to recognize the uh, state of Israel. And there has been ups and downs. When, for instance, Israel occupied Jerusalem, Turkey withdrew its ambassador. At that time as well, it was in 1967. But so this was not a relationship all uh, the time went uh, in the same direction but with ups and downs they continued this time of course we had unfortunately we had blood now in the flotilla and i uh, i mean i urge when i, I am visited by the israeli uh, officials in my office in ankara i say why i mean in, among the friends there has, there may be problems but you guess you could i mean an apology should not be that problematic, but I don't know, the Israeli government has their own uh, problems. They say we will regret but not apologize, and now we are here. I wish I could have the power to tell both sides that uh, it's better with good relations. And this was one of the claims of uh, Turkish government indeed. Turkey was saying that we would increase our friends in the region. Armenians, Kurds, Greeks—maybe we had difficult times in the past, but we could solve all those things. So this is indeed in contradiction with uh, what was this government even was preaching in in, in its uh, six or seven years. So it, it, no one knows if that confrontation in Mediterranean could go to a wider conf- conflict or a navies, both navies could. Uh, come across each other. This is something uh, saddening. Yeah.
0: Uh, my name is Kate Maddox. I'm a history student here at UT. And I'm wondering if you could talk about Erdogan's um, assertion that the Arab Spring in Syria will lead to a sectarian conflict and especially what that would mean for Turkey. Uh, I,
2: I mean, if uh, i guess erdogan's statement was that if it is not handled properly that would keep, uh, cause into an inter- internal strife or civil war because this is this is one of the dangers and no one knows how to treat uh, that uh, problem because now and for the last 40 years syria was governed by minority of a kind of alawites they had a backing in the society between 10 percent or at most 15 percent, as far as I know. So this, is, this had lots of uh, problems for, for, for Syrian people. The majority is under uh, pressure, and there has been, as, I, as you remember, in Hama, in Humus, there has been, in 1982, massacres. So there are lots of uh, bad uh, memories. So Erdogan was trying to say that we don't like to have another Hama, another massacre, so you should make reforms as fast as possible because the, if you don't, you, you could start a, a civil a civil war. This is uh, very dangerous for Turkey because, as I said, Turkey has Sunnis and Alawites. Although Turkey's Alawites and the Syrian Alawites are bit, very different from each other, we call Nusayri uh, for the Alawites of Syria, and there are other uh, there may be other consequences of. Uh, uh, developments, negative developments in Syria. There are three million, almost three million Kurds living in Syria. We have uh, an important amount of uh, Kurdish people. So anything happens negative in Syria towards Kurds would have an effect on on us. And Turkey is the open border, the closest uh, open border for 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 Syria. We had. More than 80, uh, 800 kilometers of uh, border, common border with them. So there could be people flooding uh, to our country. So it is, it's not a foreign issue for Turkey. It's, as I said, the border is very much artificial. <laughs> so if, if there are uh, more terrible events taking place in, Tur- in, in Syria, that would have very negative uh, influence on, on our country. So Turkey is one of the uh, leading uh, voices in encouraging Assad to make quick reforms. But I guess Turkey, even Turkey lost the hope that uh, this, uh, this regime, or the Baas regime, can change itself. This person, I
0: think. And then in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Amelia Fitbit. And I'm a Middle Eastern studies major. And I was wondering, uh, in terms of the role that Turkey plays in global politics at the moment, uh, what makes Turkey such an attractive country to have good relations with? Um, like, which, which countries are particularly interested in cultivating good relationships now because of their influence?
2: Despite, for instance, straining relations with Israel, for instance, your country is one of them. and There are very good relations, as far as I know, between Ankara and Washington. I don't remember how many times our foreign ministers or the president, both presidents, call each other to coordinate their policies in Libya or in Egypt or in Tunisia. Uh, so uh, I guess uh, America is very different in, in, in the Western world in terms of understanding the value of Turkey. Why? There is a reason. America is a pragmatic power in many cases and we don't have bad history or the worst conflictual history Mm -hmm. with America. America was an allied country when uh, the Ottoman state was very strong there. So there was was no colonization by America against uh, Turkey. So uh, both countries can understand each other. Of course there has been very big contribution of America during Cold War and lots of uh, people in Turkey would appreciate that. Uh, For EU, for instance, I couldn't tell the same things. Especially, I mean, I should not generalize whole Europe, but very important countries or the players in Europe, I could name them if you permit me, the France and Germany, the current, current governments are not looking Turkey uh, as uh, Washington looks Turkey. They, I, I don't know, is it, is it because of envy, or is it because of rivalry, is it because of historic legacy? Because we, don't, we did not have same track of relations with uh, France as we had with America. Uh, uh, but uh, it, is, it is likely that uh, there will be another president in uh, France, then it, it could change so there are uh, 27 countries in in europe and they are not they don't have a unified position towards turkey and towards new turkey uh, germany and france and austria for instance they had they had today current governments current administrations have very uh, clear position that they don't like turkey play a major role they don't like Turkey to be part of the European Union. But uh, there are more than 22 countries that are not uh, looking to Turkey like that. So, I mean, since decisions are made uh, with unanimity, they can't get rid of the relationship. I mean, we can't divorce and we can't improve the relations. So we are in, that, in the middle of that uh, relationship with iran for instance as other powers uh, it is also problematic since iran ha, iran and turkey had different opinions uh, in regard to what's happening in syria that put a distance between two countries although they i mean until very recently turkey and uh, iran had good relations or normal relations uh, i could say uh, so in respect to russia Russia is also uh, understanding, I guess, New Turkey's role, and especially the independent uh, actions of Turkey in foreign policy is appreciated. Because uh, when I was uh, with with our president to Moscow, uh, in return from Moscow, I said, why we had very good relations with uh, Russia? Although we had, I mean, in history, we had very bad relations. our history is a history of wars with Russia. Even they came to conquer Istanbul in late uh, 19th century. So this was awful. In the Cold War, you know, they, they threatened us. They, they said uh, they will uh, conquer some parts of our country, etc. But uh, he, he said, the president said that now uh, in Putin said that to the president, our president. In the past, we were looking Turkey as if it is a puppet of United States. So, I mean, if we have any issue with Turkey, it would be better to talk to real uh, power behind. This was the mentality in uh, Russia, especially during the Cold War. But when Turkey started to have independent uh, policies, Like during Iraqi war or with respect to Iran, etc. So he said that they started to think that we could talk to each other as adults now. (laughs) So so this was the interpretation of Putin, and it it pays. As I said, three million Russians each year are visiting our country as tourists, and in 2008, Russia was the biggest partner. In 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 Turkey's foreign trade, and China, we don't have much relations as you have. So I guess these are countries that I remember now.
0: Okay, I hate to um, cut things off, but I think we'll take just one more question.
2: How many questions so, we have?
0: How many more? Lots of questions. Um,
2: if we have some few questions, we could complete, but much if if not. We have one question here and another one, two questions, three questions. I should make some short answers, <laughs> sorry. OK. Um, if policy change in Syria is a little too late, what types of policies can Turkey pursue that will set a good precedent for Syria and other countries
0: in the Arab Spring to follow and democratize themselves?
2: No one knows indeed. It's very volatile. And uh, when I was here, the advisor of the uh, prime minister called me for another issue. I talked to him after he asked me his uh, issue. I said, what would you do for for Syria if they continue like that? The answer was not clear. (laughs) We don't know, he said. We try to find a way. You know, uh, part of the uh, uh, topic that uh, Prime Minister Erdogan will cover in his visit in Middle East was to pressure Syria. In his speech, as far as I read, he underlines that change in Syria is inevitable, and it should be quick, and we, cannot, we, we lost our patience. So, so this, is, this is very important, but in terms of practical policy, can we, uh, can we think of a NATO intervention this is very difficult why because uh, in libya we had a nato intervention with the un approval now russia and china are consistently against any kind of decision you know it took t- maybe 3 months even to make a un security council decision to condemn syria for let alone be a military intervention. So if Turkey can do something by itself, I mean, it's very difficult. It would have lots of uh, repercussions. I don't know. I mean, in practical terms, uh, that, that I, I, I guess uh, when, when I look at the, the development of Arab Spring or the other uh, changes, it is certain that that regime will not continue. I mean, the Syrian people deserves not less than the Egyptian people. But how they will go to that result, I mean, this is an open question for Syrians as well. You know, still, uh, there is not a participation of uh, Damascus and Aleppo to the protests. This is very important. And that, that is still, it seems, there is still a kind of uh, lack of decision among Syrian people how to proceed. So without their action, without their decision, as people in Egypt or people in Tunisia did, international community has little chance to uh, proceed. I mean, They should first try to do it themselves if they like to get rid of this regime which is there for, for more than 40 years. Yeah, um, you have.
0: Hi, I'm Amita. I study Russian Eastern European Studies here. Um, I know you mentioned going to Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, um, and studying them, and I was really interested in Turkey's relationship with Central Asia, just because it's becoming, I think, more geopolitically important, you know, in our relationship with the Middle East, and it has very close cultural ties to Turkey. So, um, maybe this just may be my ignorance of Turkish policy regarding Central Asia, but, Do you know, um, you were talking about dualism earlier, how maybe the Turkish government feels about Central Asia, maybe how Turkish people
2: feel about Central Asia? You can help me understand that a little bit. Yeah, I can try at least. When there was the fall of Berlin Wall in 1990, there was kind of big excitement towards reaching them, helping them, playing a very important role. But by the time, there has been two important things. One of them was uh, changes in Russia. I, it was in the early 90s, it was Yeltsin's times, so Russia was very weak, was not able to dictate or influence its agenda in those countries. But now we have uh, a stronger and uh, much more self-confident uh, Russia, Moscow, which is playing much more influence, influential role in, in those regions, in those countries. And uh, the second thing, after, uh, after a short while in the early 90s, there has been uh, political instability in Turkey after that excitement. You know, it was the initiator of good relations with Central Asian republics was Turgut Özel. And Trugutzal was a very quick and very uh, reformist uh, person. For instance, he, he got the chance, I mean, he did not miss the chance to be the first country to recognize those states' independences. So wh- when I visit those countries, I see that their uh, Turkish diplomats' plates had a special position because Turkey was the first country to recognize them. Of course, there are lots of historic uh, ties. They are, I mean, they are speaking kind of Turkish. We say Turkic. I mean, it is a kind of dialect, not uh, the Turkish spoken in uh, Turkey, but a version. Of that, So uh, there has been civil society having very good relations uh, in terms of economy, in terms of education, in terms of media. For instance, our paper uh, is published in lots of them, I mean, with the exception of Uzbekistan. So we are publishing in Azerbaijan, in Kyrgyzstan, in Turkmenistan, in Kazakhstan, uh, with the local colors, of course, with local uh, characteristics. And this civil, civilian uh, side of relations goes on. Uh, but uh, I guess uh, the earlier, excite, early, earlier years of uh, excitement is a bit fading. Although, I mean, we have very good economic, uh, political relations. And of course, there are some uh, other changes. For instance, in Uzbekistan, there was very good relations. In the early, until 1996 or seven but then there has been uh, attitude very important change in the attitude of Islam Kermo, who is the president of that country so relations are very much strained now uh, between Uzbekistan and Turkey, but with Azerbaijan, I mean relations are very very good with Turkmenistan and uh, others, so there are changing uh, patterns uh, in terms of relations. And it is, there are lots of uh, variables. I mean, it is dependent on Russia's attitudes towards those nations. Uh, also, it is important how America, how the United States is looking at uh, those countries. Uh, so it is, but I could say that it is not at the point that we were dreaming of it, 20 years ago. That could have been in a better uh, place, in, in my view. Yeah?
1: Uh, two, two quick things. I'm glad you touched on that. The first thing, if you might just quickly address, if there's any vision of, like, a pan-Turkey movement or anything like that. And then my other question is, I've heard a lot lately in the past few years about you know, China. Not really suppressive, but yeah, being a little bit suppressive toward the Uyghur-Turkey population. And I was just wondering if you think Turkey has sh- does or should have any role in, like,
2: maintaining that culture. Yeah, in in terms of Pan Turkic uh, ideology, we experienced that with a very high price. in the <laughs> in the early nineteen tens uh, or twenties, you know, it was seen as the I mean a, a, as a remedy, as a solution to the uh, to the dissolution the of Ottoman Empire. That, the European powers are trying to invade Turkey, so we should come together with our Turkic brothers, we, should, we could unite against them. This did not work and it was not, it was not possible to continue that policy. So whenever this uh, pan-Turkism is uh, mentioned, so there is a kind of record in the minds of Turkish elite and the Turkish politicians that this is not something good. But this doesn't mean that mean that we should ignore our ethnic or religious or cultural ties. So this this is very important uh, because in, for, uh, Turkey's policy towards Middle East is sometimes wrongly interpreted as if this is a kind of pan-Islamism. This is not the case. You know, during the same time, Turkey had perfect relations with Russia, which is an Orthodox country. And Turkey at the same time tried to improve its relation with Armenia which is another Orthodox country. I mean, which has nothing with with religion. So what Turkey was trying to do is to multiply axes, Not to replace one to another but to increase number of them. So we had in the earlier times too much focus on one axis maybe. We ignored some of them because of ideology, because of political necessity, because of other reasons. But what was Turkey trying to do in last 10 or 20 years? To add other accesses. And there was another understanding that without good relations with your neighbors, whether they are uh, authoritarian or Armenian or democratic, you could not develop your economy, you could not develop your democracy. So that, I mean, this is zero problem policy. The source or the origin of zero problems policy is not making Turkey a pan- center of pan-Islamism, but it is to create a peaceful environment that could benefit Turkey as well. I mean, Turkish people's welfare is more important than making an ideological fight. And about Uyghur, this is you know, one of the issues that is very difficult to deal, especially for a country like Turkey. I mean to 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 have a conflict with China, which is a very superpower, which is far away. Uh, so it is very difficult for Turkey to influence developments there. But there has been some sometimes uh, belief that if Turkey and China improve relations, <laughs> normalize relations, that could have a positive influence on the Uyghur community there, and uh, sometimes. Uh, Turkey had harsh critiques of China because of their treatment of of, uh, people there. But uh, I don't know to what extent uh, those things can make a change in the life of those people. So It's a very uh, difficult problem for the whole world dealing with China. I guess you are very much experienced than me in in terms of that. I hope that China could (laughs) Improve it is, its human rights record. And, and that could be better not just for Turkic people, they're Uyghurs, but for all Chinese people. This is, this is I guess, most of the people's uh, dream, maybe. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yes? Okay. <laughs> uh, I think we're we applause Thank you very much for your interest and your attention. We have a gift. Ah, and I'm very sorry. Uh, we have a small gift um, which the president of Raindrop Turkish House would like to present uh, to Mr. Biliji.
1: Okay, special recognition presented to Mr. Abdullah Bilici in appreciation of your outstanding contribution to introduce the rich heritage of Turkish culture and history in promoting cultural diversity and coexistence in Texas, September 13, 2009. Thank you.